All right, sports fans, it's Wednesday, July 18th, 2018. We're here on the Stuck and Shapely show, and tonight, uh, Shapely is, is out of commission, but we have a very special show for you. We've got two bona fide Mizzou football experts here, and we're going to do a, uh, a little preview for the 2018 Tigers. Uh, so without any further ado, let me introduce to you our two guests, uh, two legends in their own minds and maybe a few others' minds as well. We have Jay Lee and I'm going to go ahead and call him A-Rob, Andy Robert here. And, and fellas, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you and thanks for being on tonight. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here and uh, I'm stuck in Big Ten country, so it's nice to talk about some uh, Real conference football, the SEC, baby. Hey, and Stucks, Shapely is kind of here. He's the shape, and I'm the Lee, so. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, and, and I got to say, you, you've already filled the shoes of the bad jokes uh, that, 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 that Simi brings to the table. No, we, we, we miss Simi, but uh, he, he's a very important man out in Iowa, I believe. He's in Big Ten country as well, so. Uh, it, it is nice to talk about football. And, uh, you know, uh, the, before we get started, we, we need a little uh, a light heart, lightheartedness, I guess, to the show. Uh, you know, we, we have a special ritual, the three of us, as far as, uh, you know, the football games go. I think a lot of people have, have stayed at the campus in and some of these other, you know, nicer hotels. The highfalutin. Express. Yeah, highfalutin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, probably got bidets in the toilet, and uh, <laughs> you know, but but we we have a special memory from the royal end of a, a few years ago. So we want to give all the listeners uh, a shout out. If you if you need a room that might have a bed, perhaps a shower, and twenty seven ninety five nightly rate, <laughs> <laughs> running water on every other night, uh, the royal end's the place for you, and. Uh, I'll let you guys talk about the uh, the special beverage that will help you enjoy a good Mizzou football game. Well, if, if you're going to stay at the Royal Inn, I highly recommend <laughs> Mad Dog 2020's Habanero Limerita. Because <laughs> after that hotel stay, you're going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree yeah. more. It, it might help you in, in writing the review on uh, online for the Royal Inn uh, after you had a, a good bottle of that. But uh, – well, anyway, one other thing I want to mention, tonight's episode is, is coming to you commercial-free, uh, brought to you by the Moose Knuckle Professional Tailgating Association. And remember, folks, if life gets you down, you knuckle up. All right, so moving forward here, what we're going to do first here, uh, you, we, we see this a lot uh, on, on your on your main sports shows on TV. We're just going to start here with the Mizzou schedule. And before I do, fellas, I, I think it's fair to say you guys may not agree with me, but uh, quite a bit of buzz going into the Mizzou football season this year. Uh, you got a lot of returning players, uh, a lot of, you know, guys that have potential, you know, NFL uh, careers ahead of potentially. So uh, I don't think I'm too far uh, this this team's generating a little bit of buzz this year. I, I tell you, Stuck, this this team, it reminds me a lot of the 2013 Tigers where people thought they were better. They were going to be better than the season before, but they didn't think, you know, they were going to go 11-1. and one. I mean, I, I sure as heck didn't think they were going to go 11-1 back then. But when you look back, they were, they were closer than the scores indicated in the games last year. And they, you know, they did – Toward the end of the year, they played a bunch of teams that weren't worth a hoot, but they destroyed them. Right, and so they, and they've got a lot of power coming back, like you said. Yeah, and 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 that's one knock that that people across, and even Mizzou fans themselves are like, oh well, you know, the games they won last year, you know, the teams were, were were dumpster fires. They, you know, I here, but I want to say, but. Five the last five games, all the coaches aren't back this year, which is uh, uh, yeah, I would I'm, say a I think Van, Vandy might be the only one, and I could be wrong on that too. Yeah, who, but yeah does, it, we, does it really matter who the coach at Vanderbilt is? I mean, <laughs> it really, it, you know, it hasn't, and yet, and yet we're we, we've lost to him twice in the conference still. So. Yeah, that's but, a good point. Well, 
a blind squirrel in a nut, hopefully, is the scenario there. <laughs> well, you know, and on this, I, I actually took a picture of this quote for today. This was from Drew Locke at the SEC Media Day today about what we're talking about here. He said, whenever we play, it's because the other team didn't play well. Or whenever we play well, it's because the other team didn't play well. It's not because Mizzou Tigers are a good football team. When someone catches a pass, it's because they were wide open. It wasn't because we made a good play on the ball or it was a good throw. When DeMarie busts a 30-yard run or Larry busts a 50-yard run, it wasn't because they're good running backs. It's because the gaps fit wrong and the offensive line got lucky. Right. I think that's the chip we have on our shoulder. People talk about our comebacks and the teams we played weren't as good as other SEC teams. Well, they had better records than us. They were technically in the media eyes and other college football eyes in the rankings eyes better football teams than us, and we beat them. Yeah, and, and I've never understood the argument of you had a weak schedule. It's not Mizzou's fault or any team's fault How what the other teams do throughout their season. Is it – are we supposed well, to apologize? Yeah, it, it's not our fault that Tennessee was a dumpster fire. It's not our fault that Florida was a dumpster fire. You know, but we went in and we beat the cow turds out of them. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, don't, right. I don't know what – you know what do you what do you want? We Tennessee and it, Florida were supposed to be at the top of the uh, East, and and we ran roughshod over them. So, right, you know because they were down, that's our fault. You know, exactly. And 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 I think that's something that gets overlooked by a lot of, of sports fans. Is you know that's kind of the nature of the beast. You're supposed to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and you're probably going to lose the teams you're supposed to lose to. I mean, it's it, it's pretty simple. I mean, I. I've I've had discussions, uh, you know, on Twitter with uh, some St. Louis Post Dispatch writers who, one time, were was bashing Gary Pinkle for his record against top ten teams, and I'm like, well, they're top ten teams for a reason. They they generally don't lose. That you're not you're not supposed <laughs> to beat the top ten team. They're top, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, and that's why I told him I was like, you know, in related news, water's wet and the sky's blue. I mean, what what are we what are we getting at here, Bernie? But anyway, well, let's dig in here to the schedule. Uh, just because we're all uh, kind of affiliated with the the OVC, we'll we'll just briefly touch on. Opening weekend, September 1st, Labor Day weekend, kind of traditional uh, start for the Mizzou Tigers. We, we welcome the football juggernaut known as the University of Tennessee at Martin Skyhawks. Not, not to be confused with the, the groundhawks. These are the, the hawks that are in the sky, in case, uh, in case you were needing to know. Uh, I think I'll, I'll go ahead and go out on them here and say that's going to be a, a W. Uh, do we have any objections here from the panel on that one? Uh, I, I watched a very poor, unfortunately, Southeast Missouri State team lose to them 14-16 to 16 late last year. So I'm hoping we uh, beat them by 60. Don't take, don't take the, gas, the foot off the gas. This is the game where you just – the first two games where you don't show anything. And, and if you, if you struggle with these two, then, then changes really need to be made. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, the, this game, honestly, uh, it's, I guess it's good for a couple things. You get the first game jitters out of the way. You get Derek Dooley, a game under his belt, just with the, I would say the rhythm of calling plays and just kind of working out the kinks that you can't, simulate and practice you know just kind of the whole you know just a dress rehearsal type thing this win doesn't count obviously as far as you know bowl eligibility or anything like that but uh you know it, it could be a good way to get drew lock off to a uh record you know uh video game type numbers let him get his f- six or seven five or six touchdowns uh get get his name kind of out there but i think the i think we all agree the biggest thing is come out of it healthy would you not agree absolutely okay you know one of the things going just on these starting few games the new redshirt rule is gonna be a nice thing for these games because a lot of freshmen can play and we can see if they're going to potentially be something later on down the road or if we can still redshirt them they can play up to four games without that's uh, burning the redshirt Absolutely, that's a great point, and, and I'm glad you touched on that. Uh, and, because... and it's shocking that the NCAA actually did something beneficial to both the players <laughs> and the universities. 
that very often. Hey, amen. I, I agree 100%. This was a long overdue rule change. And, and Elway, I do appreciate you bringing that up because I, 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 for one, was had kind of forgot about that rule change and probably would have had to have uh, Brent Musburger tell me that while he was looking at Alabama's quarterback's girlfriend just for me to, to remind me that. But uh, great, great point. Next game, moving on, is the the Wyoming Cowboys. Uh, not a, not real familiar with what Wyoming's got. We obviously know they had Josh Allen last year, who was a uh, you know first round quarterback pick of the Buffalo Bills. But from what little I have read about Wyoming in the last few days, not much is expected of them. Uh, pretty much a one of the lowest ranked if you would uh fbs schools so i i think uh maybe slightly better than ut martin but but nothing to uh to think man we've got to we've got to buckle down and, and get our stuff together well, I, am, I, am I, I, I spent some uh time analyzing the wyoming cowboys today and they were seven and five last year with the number one draft pick at the most important position on the football field so i'm not expecting a whole lot more than what ut martin will put up once again let's not get hurt don't show a whole lot. Pad some stats and see what the freshman can do. I, I agree. Uh, L, now, uh, a little backstory here. And LA, you you jump in any time to to correct me. Uh, Wyoming's former coach uh, was Dave Christensen, former Mizzou offensive coordinator, and 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 ladies and gentlemen, uh, Elway and, and Mr. Christensen had a, a bit of a uh, an email relationship where Elway would design a play and, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Christensen replied back and, uh, lo and behold, we kind of saw that play come to fruition. Did you, know? you know what? I, I actually forgot. I remember Christensen going there, but I forgot about the email more because all the, all the football coaches, their emails were on the Mizzou website, except for the head coach. Mm-hmm. And so I do remember emailing him. Yeah, so uh, there is a there is a, a connection there with, with with Mizzou and Wyoming, but uh, I think we'll agree that this is a uh, like uh, I believe Elway said. If we struggle or lose one of these first two games, uh, we're kind of wasting our time even talking about the rest of the schedule because uh, they the sirens will be blaring, so to speak. Yep. Game three. Now this one. Uh, this is a, this one is yeah. I'm not excited about this one. This one is uh, is interesting. This one will probably take a little time to discuss the the Purdue Boilermakers. The Tigers are making the uh, the jaunt across the Midwest to West Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, 6:30 kickoff uh, with the Boilermakers uh, will be on ESPN two. Kind of a uh, a nationally televised game, you know. This game, and here's the way I look at it. You guys, uh, you know, I'm sure have your thoughts on it before we predict a win or loss. Had had we beat Purdue last year like we were expected to, this game would really, really, really worry me because it is the last game before the brutal three great game stretch that we'll get into here in just a second. Uh, would definitely fall into the category as a trap game. However. We all know what happened last year. Purdue, unbeknownst, came into Columbia and pretty much uh, beat us and made us like it. So, uh, you know, I would think revenge has got to be on the mind. And uh, I I think it might be a blessing the way the schedule is this year that that last year we got a sour taste from the game against Purdue. Well, this this is a game that I look at where – it, you hate to say in the third game of the season that it can make your break your season, but I, I can see Mizzou going ten and two if they win this game. I can see them if they lose Ooh. going four and eight. Um, I think the players all know that that uh, uh, coach uh, Odom's playing for his coaching for his job this year, even though he just got that contract extension. Uh, another four and eight season or a slow start. Uh, you know, that's another year where it can – and I think that's what killed us in recruiting a little bit last season was that slow start, and you can't afford to have that. Uh, you know, the Georgia game, the Bama game, the USC game are going to be hard ones to win. 
this is one I think you've you've got to win, um, or or your your season's over. And I, I hate to be uh, that that pessimistic, but I think if they cannot win that game, this is a lost season. Andy, I agree, and I think honestly the good thing about this game this year is it's on the road. Because last year being at home, a Big Ten team that hasn't done anything, you just you just think you're going to win it. But by having to go on the road, you have that extra focus on a game that, like you said, it's going to be the it's going to tell us which way the season's going to go. Well, and I think we had that same attitude as we're marking down the schedule and going Purdue. That's a win. Right, you know, and, and and spent all of three seconds discussing it because Auburn, Auburn was the following week. Yep. Yeah, and and I wholeheartedly agree with both you guys. Um, this this game, I think, is huge uh, for the reasons you've mentioned and the fact that confidence wise, the to to me to me the biggest game on the schedule. If we're if we're assuming Purdue wins or Mizzou beats Purdue, now we'll get your your locked in answers on if we win or lose that game. But the Georgia game to me is the one that I've got my mind on. Is is that's the one that that could be like a Nebraska in two thousand four game for Barry Odom. His his deer on the wall, his notch on the belt, the the program transforming win that that Pinkle got in 2004 by being Nebraska and I think our only chance of beating Georgia is to come off a good performance against Purdue a win and all the confidence in the world a packed throw field because they're going to be three and oh possibly getting some you know votes for top 25 you know just the 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 it will be like a crescendo leading into that Georgia game. So I, I agree with what you guys say. And for for that Georgia game, I think it's imperative that we beat Purdue. Agreed. Yeah, there's, I don't think there's a chance in, in Hades we beat Georgia if we don't beat Purdue. And, right. And not even beat them, but I, I, I don't think we need to necessarily beat them soundly on the scoreboard because you know how that late touchdown can make a – a game look a lot closer, but I, I think we need to win by have a 17 point victory prior to any late touchdowns. You know, that last, right. last 10 second touchdown that makes it a 10 point game. I, I still consider that a 17 point victory. I think it needs to be one where they win by 17 or more to really instill that confidence in themselves and to give Georgia's players a little something to think about. That's always the other side of the coin. You know, we want Georgia to look at that score and go, maybe these guys aren't the same guys that, you know, we doubled up, almost doubled up on last year. Right. So let's uh, let's go ahead and mark it down. I'm assuming that uh, you're predicting a win there, Andy? I have to. Otherwise, you know, right. what, are we doing, what are we doing this for? <laughs> and I, I, LA, I'm going to say we, we, I'm going to say we don't give up that late touchdown and win by 17. Ooh, I like it. So a a seventeen point win you know, for for Andy Elway. What what's your final answer on that? I, I just a road win. I I don't care about the score. If if they go on the road and win, then maybe even a close game says, hey, we're not as good as we thought we were. We need to focus a little more going into this big stretch we got coming. Either either or, it's if if they can get a win on the road, that's going to give them the confidence they need before the Georgia game. Right. Here's my take on it. If I'm not a Mizzou fan, if I'm just, uh, you know, some random guy that likes college football, I like sports, I pay attention, my favorite team, let's just say, is Georgia Tech. And I'm looking at uh, the schedule and, and knowing what I do, I think my brain tells me, honestly, that Purdue wins this game. But my heart and my allegiances and, and just knowing kind of the revenge factor, I, I, I want to say Mizzou wins. But, I mean, it, it scares me. It really does. I, I don't know. My, my, my brain tells me that they're going to lose, but my heart says that they will win. Well, and when you look at last year, the offense put up three points. We, we've never seen that from – and that wasn't because of Purdue. It was because of us just messing up so much and getting behind and then just trying to throw it. And, you know, the offense has come full circle with the entire offensive line coming back, you know, both of our top running backs. I mean, I know you're sad that Ish Witter's gone. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. if Jamon Morris drops, I mean, other we're gonna we're gonna be a different team. We just have to Right. We just have to show it. it, it well, I agree, and I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because uh, I, 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 and we'll just go ahead and get into the Georgia game. That that's the one I want to see us win. And I, I'm looking at Georgia's schedule. And, and before I do that, a little side note: uh, talking about schedule, Mizzou is one of four teams that are going to be playing the uh, two members of the national championship game last year. Uh, joining Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M, and Tennessee, who will be playing both Georgia and Alabama. And, uh, well, I'm sorry, Texas A&M is actually playing Clemson, Alabama. So Mizzou is one of five schools that's going to be playing two of the final four uh, of last year's you know, playoffs on, on the schedule this year. So Hey, uh, a little, little side note, Stuck. The uh, Georgia-Mizzou game was the Royale Inn festivities weekend <laughs> featuring mad dog <laughs> 2014 sure was. and all of our superstitions got us exactly zero points that game so we uh, could have used more of that <laughs> mad dog habanero <laughs> that's exactly right but uh georgia here, here's a few things that that are that play a factor in the georgia game they meaning they the bulldogs uh will have played three games as well they open up week one against another OVC powerhouse, uh, Austin. The P. mighty governors. Yeah, the mighty, the best, let's go P. And week two, perhaps uh, after week two, we'll know just how important this game is, so to speak. They play at South Carolina. Uh, so we will know going into the Georgia game if they've already got a loss in division or – if they're, you know, they've got the upper hand. You know, a lot of people are thinking that week two game is going to determine who wins the SEC East, who wins between South Carolina and Georgia. Uh, it's tough to win at South Carolina. We'll get into them next game, but they will have a, a, a you know, we'll, we'll know a lot more about Georgia after the South Carolina game. And then the week before they play Mizzou, they've got the, the Raiders of Middle Tennessee State University, who oddly enough were a former OVC school, but now I believe are in the Sun Belt. So, anyway, uh, I mean, gosh, I mean, you look at the Georgia game, like like I alluded to, that's that, that's our opportunity. I think if we're three and zero, you know, obviously it's a to be announced game time. If if Georgia beats South Carolina and it's three and zero, we're three and zero. We may have the I haven't looked to see what other SEC games are that that weekend. That it's potentially, you know, the primetime game with with Vern Lundquist and you know the the A team, so to speak, which Mizzou never plays well when the when the A team is calling us. But uh, it, maybe, it's, maybe they'll slide uh, it's, us over to the Deuce and uh, we can actually. Do <laughs> <laughs> That's true, or, or get uh, Ian Eagle and Dan Fouts, or you know the, the beard, the bird. But, uh, I mean, that's our chance. I mean, if it's a nationally televised game, if it's the CBS game of the, the week, the 2.30 slot or, or what have you, people are going to be watching. Uh, you know, one thing we haven't talked about with all the renovations and everything the stadium's going through, 2019 is, is you know, looking to be a, a, a landmark year. This is our opportunity to kind of let the SEC and the country know uh, – the zoo is a tough place to win. We, we can beat the, I mean, let's be honest, Georgia should be the national champions. I mean, they, they won three quarters of that game and just, you know, kind of had a meltdown late. So one, one, one bad blown coverage. Right. And I mean, you look at Georgia, they've, they've lost, they've lost some stuff. They obviously lost Sony, Michelle, uh, Chubb, uh, and I believe I looked four or five starters on defense. Now they've got Evander Holyfield's son, who's Elijah, who's got both ears and is a good good running back. And they they always seem to have a stable full of running backs. They've got their quarterback back, who uh, I believe correct me if I'm wrong, Jake Fromm. Uh, he's you know had a great year last year. So I mean they're obviously I mean most preseason. 
prognostications, you know, prognostications have them as anywhere from the third or fifth ranked team starting the season. But uh, I don't know. Do uh, you, you guys think we got a chance here, or are we just kind of you know playing on house money and hope we win? I I honestly think we have a real chance in this game. And I read something the other day that one of the a college football analysts was talking about Georgia. And he said they only have one of their front seven on defense coming back and said that mm. and said that if you can get a team that can run the ball against them early in the season before they develop their defense, that's going to be what could beat them. And he even said, and this is where I think Missouri could come through. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, we've got we've got the running game in, in round three and uh, Crockett. Uh, and everybody forgets about it. Everybody forgets about a rushing game attack because of Locke, which is good. Yep. I think this is a game where Drew Locke needs to needs to match Jake Fromm. I think the biggest thing in this game could be the thing that uh, Odom announced today at the uh, SEC Media Days is that he's not going to be calling the plays on defense. He's going to let Ryan Walters do it. Um, I saw that. If I think Odom's biggest problem through last season was the, obviously the defensive coordinator issue and not getting rid of uh, Cross. De, yeah, DeMonte early enough and spending too much time dealing with that side of the ball. And he couldn't be the CEO, which is what he needs to be. Let your offensive coordinator take care of the offense and your defensive coordinator take care of the defense. If we can hang on to the football, don't let. I, I, you know, I think if the defense can do what I think the defense can do, and this is going to be the game, I think, where we find out what our defense really is, too. I think everybody knows what our offense is. Okay? Right. This is going to be the game that's going to tell us what our defense is. And I'm honestly, I, you know, I hate to say if we lose, but if we can keep it, if it's competitive loss, if we make them win, not we, if we don't beat ourselves, if we make them make a play to win the game late or tight. I'm going to count that. I know it's – I hate emotional victories and moral victories, but I think that can be a big thing both for the remainder of the season and recruiting going into that point as well because everybody knows going in, Georgia's going to be a top three or top five team. If we force them right. into where they've got to make a last-minute drive to win the game, that's going to be in a lot of people's eyes and months. You know, and and I I totally agree. And Elway touched on something, and and you know I, I was gonna after we got through the schedule, kind of go through the the depth chart of the Tigers. But I, I think we can maybe just incorporate it in while we talk about the the games. You know, one potential I don't want to call it a problem, but a scenario that concerns me is is like L.A. said, Drew Locke is the name, the sexy name, if you will, when you think of Mizzou football right now. Uh, you know, Todd McShay came out and said right after the draft that if he had to project who's going to be the number one pick, he, he said Drew Locke. Uh, he, he's got a, a bit of a Heisman, outside Heisman, so uh, we know that he's the one that's going to be getting the headlines. He's the one that's going to be getting – but and you guys may disagree with me, but I don't. I don't think you will. If we games, especially against the Georgias, the South Carolinas, the Alabamas, our, our defense cannot play as many plays as they have the last few years. Josh Heupel, I don't have a bad thing to say about him, other than I don't think he truly cared about the team success at Missouri. No, I think, he was he was coach, he was offensive coordinating for his next head coach. Absolutely, and he wanted to put up video game numbers, and when, which we did, and he got his job. But you can't, I, you I I can't I don't think he could look somebody in the eye and be like, yeah, I think that gave our football team the best chance to win games, having our defense out there for sixty plays or you know the time of possession. So I think honestly, and I know. You can't put a number on on carries and pass attempts and stuff like that. But if both guys are healthy, and I'm calling plays, which we know is not going to happen, I want Crockett and Roundtree both getting 20 carries. I mean, I want I want to pound the rock. I want to make make these teams stop the run first because 
if they have to put seven in the box, you know, if they have to come up and, and, and get on the line of scrimmage, well, I mean, Drew Locke has some weaknesses as far as touch passes and, and such in the middle, but what's the one thing we know he can throw? He, deep ball. he can throw that deep ball. You, if we show we can run the ball and do some play fakes and we got some burners on the on the outside, and, and, and honestly, you know, not to get to Alabama, but the way you beat Alabama or the way you beat any good defense is – you have to beat them with big plays that they are going to Nick Saban and, and Kirby smart is Nick Saban 2.0. They are going to put pressure. They are going to, they're not going to let you run the ball at will on them. You're going to have to make big plays. And if we come out and establish any type of running game, and like Elway said, Georgia's a little inexperienced up front that, forces them to bring safeties up that forces them to 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 run blitz and and leave one-on-one matchups and i like emmanuel hall and johnson and, and some of these receivers we got uh, i like their chances one-on-one against anybody uh so i mean i think we gotta just we gotta establish the run game and if it hurts drew locks heisman choice chances so be it uh well i think here's the thing with with drew lock and the heisman he can win it against a bunch of teams. He has to not lose it against Georgia and not lose it against Alabama. If he hit, if he puts up average numbers in those two games and then blows it out the rest of the way, he's going to win the Heisman. You know, that's right. he needs to not lose to – you know, don't lose it to Georgia and don't lose it to Alabama. You don't have to win it against those, but don't lose it. Just put up average numbers, keep your team in the game, Play the game plan. And that's going to come back to Dooley where he's, you know, the, the offense, even listening to Locke talk at, at SEC media day today, he, he said it's going to be slower. They're still going to do some hurry up, but, you know, they're going, to, they're going to slow things down a little bit. And Drew knows he's not going to get the numbers he got last year. And that's, that's the good part is he's smart enough to understand. He doesn't need those to, you know, number one, He's going to need good numbers, of course, to win the Heisman. But looking long term, he doesn't have to have those numbers to still be the top quarterback drafted next year. Right. No, absolutely not. And well, and you know they and I don't remember. I don't know who it was that mentioned it. I was kind of trying to follow everything through Twitter. I was while driving today, but uh, they did say they were going to be running a substantial amount of the offense under the under center, not out of the shotgun or not out of the pistol, which just by nature of that will slow the offense down a little bit, which will give the defense that much more time to take a breath. And that was the biggest problem with the defense is they never had time to breathe. They were off the field getting a quick Gatorade and crap, we're back on the field again. Right. And, and, and I think one thing that, that we lose sight of, and maybe it's just my old school mentality on football is sometimes over the course of the game, it's almost better and you guys may disagree with this because it's a little far-fetched theory, but I've always thought it's sometimes better to have a five- or six-minute drive of about four where you get three first downs, you run maybe a couple on the ground, no big plays, but you get, you know six minutes, five minutes, you punt the ball, you, you pin them inside the five to ten yard. And and you 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 get a three and out on them, and you get the ball back basically right where you were. That's better than a five play drive with one fifty yard gash play, and you kick a field goal, and then you have to kick it off to them. I mean, I that's what Mizzou did last year. I mean, they, even if they scored, it was so quick. <laughs> the defense is right back out there to to get gashed again. So, I I don't I don't uh, disagree with you at all. I. I I don't want it to be that to be the focus of our offense, but right. absolutely yes. You know, late in the third quarter when you know defense has been haggard, you know one of those drives is great because it, you know, the defense. It's amazing how untired you'll get if you got to go back out on defense and suddenly the other team's pinned at the three and you got a chance for a safety or you know a big turnover that's going to lead to a score. It's amazing how you forget that you're tired. <laughs> That's a great point. Well, and I don't, I don't see a lot. Right. I don't see a lot changing in their offense. I know they're going to do 
some stuff. But the play calling, I, I mean, I think they'll run a little more, especially if Crockett can stay healthy. And I heard Odom say today that he's he, he feels like he's gained a step because, you know, he had basically last season off. He played, what, the first four or five games before he got hurt. And, and mm-hmm. you know, he's had all that off and done all this conditioning. And, you know, talking about, you know, other players, he said too, and I didn't realize this, he said this is the first season that Terry Beckner Jr. has had the winter workouts, spring workouts, and summer workouts because he's always had his – he always had two knee surgeries. Yeah. And everything else, this is going to be the healthiest he's been too, which, you know, is going to be great for our defense. And we haven't even really talked about our defense. No, that's a, that's exactly right, and that's a, a great point. And you know, mo- moving on here on the schedule, and, and we're going to maybe lump some of these together just uh, for time's sake here. you got South Carolina and, and Alabama coming up next, and, and you mentioned Beckner. You know, one, one thing, if, if we do a worst-case scenario here where Georgia comes in, you know, thumps us, we go to South Carolina, we get thumped there, then we go to Alabama. You know, one thing I think that we could tell our players, and I'm sure Coach Odom will, is you guys are going to get the best audition you can get for the NFL that you could ask for. You know, obviously we want to go beat Alabama, but even if we don't get beat, if you personally show out, that that's the best film. That's the best tape you can have on yourself going into the draft process, you know, and not just drew lock Terry Beckner jr. Cause I don't know the numbers on this, but I'd be willing to bet. Would you say that 60 to 80% of Alabama's starting 11 on either side of the ball is going to end up in the NFL? I mean, do you think that's a reach? No, I'd say that's gotta be, you know, without looking, the eye test tells you that, and even if, if that's wrong, right. that still goes to your point, though. People are looking at, at Alabama and going, what did you do against, you know, the, the best team on the planet? What did you, what did you do against right. other potential NFL players yeah. that you're going to be playing against down the road? I'll tell you one thing about the Bama game, too, you know, because I guess we're kind of lumping the games together here a little bit. The, the Bama game, I, they, I heard today or yesterday somewhere or read it somewhere, they're one of the only teams that it, they have zero people coming back from their secondary. They only have three defensive starters off last year's team coming back. Now, I know really? that they've got a lot of four- and five-star recruits that are, they're going to fill in, so talent-wise they're still going to be up there. But that may be a good thing that Missouri's getting them still kind of early in the season that they maybe, not, they maybe have not gelled together like you know look at last year's team with all the guys they had coming back and look how dominating their defense was no that's a great point I mean because I mean we know that over the course of time uh, that statistics show us that four and five star guys do usually pan out to be stars Uh, I mean you look at for every you know Jeremy Macklin or I mean I to help me with like some of the Marcus Golden chain raised some of those guys that were like two or three stars that Mizzou Sean, Sean Witherspoon Sean Witherspoon I mean William Moore from from Hayti I mean for every one of those most of your uh, first round draft picks you're going to find are, are four or five star you know blue chip guys so we know the talents there but you know talent don't always translate at the college level and. Uh, you know, one thing we know about Nick Saban, if it, he doesn't care who you are, you can be Jalen White and start struggling in a game, and, and you're 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 done. You're, we're gonna get somebody in there that's gonna, uh, you know, get the job done. But you know, like you said, they don't. You know that that is a a positive sign, I guess that that they're definitely not gonna have big game experience. Uh, they may have big game talent, but uh, you know, if, if Mizzou, let's just say, I mean. Let's say Mizzou comes out in that game and, and they, they score an early touchdown and Alabama makes an uncharacteristic gaffe and, and fumbles or a pick six and we're going into the third quarter 14-14 or, or what have you. I mean, that pressure falls squarely on Alabama, you know, that, oh, no, we're, we're about to lose to Missouri because whether we want to admit it or not, the SEC, and you kind of touched on it earlier with the, the comments Drew Locke made, the SEC does not – 
really recognize Missouri yet. I mean that yeah, they, it's cool and all. We're kind of the new fad; it's starting to wear off. But we're we're not a SEC school to them, and, and losing to Missouri would be one of the most embarrassing losses in Alabama. You know, especially under Nick Saban, it might be one of the most embarrassing losses in his tenure. Right. So, if we could keep it close, I think, uh, for lack of a better term, there could be some buttholes puckering on that sideline uh, for Alabama because that that would be one that, that would be inexcusable for them to to say they lost. Absolutely, that's. Yep. I, I don't think that's one that they've got even remotely circled on their on their calendar that they're looking at, but. Uh, that's definitely one they can't can't lose either. And I and I'll be honest, I, I didn't look at their schedule to see who were kind of bookended between. Uh, you know, as far as that goes, I, I, obviously they always play Auburn last game of the year and and that. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I know it would it, it would probably be the biggest upset win in my lifetime that I've seen Missouri have if they were to go to Alabama and win. But uh, uh, I mean, gosh, I mean, you obviously can't think that it's going to happen, but uh, and we'll, like you said, we'll know a lot about our, our squad after the Purdue and definitely the Georgia and South Carolina game. Uh, you know, looking at the uh, – Just real quick, the here, Alabama wraps with uh, Arkansas, at Arkansas the week before us and at Tennessee the week after us. Hmm. So that, that, well, could be an, that could be a spot where they overlook. Yeah, you know, and I've never understood this. Alabama, Tennessee hate each other. Uh, that's kind of a – it's not quite Auburn, Alabama hate, but uh, there, there's definitely some bad blood there. So, they'll they'll be trying to look forward to, to putting a stomping on Tennessee the next week. That's for sure. Well, before we, before we uh, jump to the next games, uh, I don't know that we've given our predictions on any of those. Um, my, <laughs> honestly, my thoughts are if you win one of the three, that's – that has to happen. They have to win one of those three games. Two is gravy. Three is – are you kidding me? I'm walking down the street naked. <laughs> well, and, and I agree. I mean, the way I look at it, we obviously know Georgia or South Carolina one's going to have a, a, a conference loss before we play them. Uh, yeah, there, obviously, there's no ties anymore in college football. So, somebody's going to win that week two game. So, we're going to know – uh, who we need to beat, so to speak, you know, as far as tiebreakers go, you know, as far as down the road, I'm not real positive on South Carolina's West opponent who they play this year. I know Georgia, they always play Auburn. That's their natural rivalry. So uh, we know they're going to play. And I think LSU is their other uh, West opponent. So you got to think that if Georgia – loses to South Carolina, there's a potential for one, maybe two more losses for Georgia. They could be a three-loss conference squad. So even if we lose to Georgia and beat South Carolina, now we're going to lose to Alabama. I think we all would agree to that. That puts us at two losses if we take care of business with, you know, the Tennessees, the Arkansas, the Vanderbilts, and Kentuckys, which I think we all agree. We might be able to get to uh, to the championship game with those two losses if South Carolina beats Georgia. We beat South Carolina, and you know, we obviously would need a little bit of help from somebody else on South Carolina's schedule. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't see Georgia having a one-loss record going into the end of the season. I, it's, unless you're Alabama, it's tough. To not lose games every single season. <laughs> that's that's a great point. Alabama does and, make and, it look and easy. And Georgia had what, what one loss late. Yeah, I mean, and Georgia kind of came. I don't want to say out of nowhere last year, but I don't think anybody really had serious consideration of them being in the national championship game uh, at this point last year, uh, for sure. Uh, and, and I, I. I don't know. Here, there again, my brain's telling me we go zero and three. That we're going to be three and three game. Um, however, if we could sneak a victory in there somewhere, uh, that puts us in a good spot. If we were to just lose one of those games, let's say we beat 
obviously the best case scenario for losing one would be the Alabama uh, to lose to them because come in in the cart before the horse. If we did lose only one of those three games, and it is Alabama, and we finish the year – I mean, let's just – let's best case scenario here. We run the table after Alabama, and we go 10-11-1, and then we lose to Alabama again in the SEC championship game. That puts us 11-2. and two. I still think we might have a chance to get in the playoff. I think it would be tough. But then I think that's yeah. – I think that's the one where the, the Mizzou's not SEC starts to kick in, and we'll see how hard the SEC guys really push for – the, the strength everywhere conference. Hey, you know what? If we're eleven and one or eleven and two, I'm really not going to care because I'm going to win a lot of money betting the over on their their wins for the season anyway. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I and and just to kind of touch up on the schedule, I, I if I, if if somebody said, "What do you think? What's going to be the final win loss record?" I I think I'm going to go with eight and four. I, I'm going to go with the first three being W's. I'm going to go with the last and four of the last five. I think we lose at Florida. I, I just I, – something tells me that Dan Mullen is going to have that Florida team in a lot better position, obviously, than last year. But, uh, and of course, at Tennessee, you know, that's any, – any road game's tough. But the at Florida game really scares me as far as a potential – uh, stumble down the stretch. Uh, so I, I got us at eight and four. That that if somebody said, "Give me your 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 final say on the record," I, I'm going to go eight and four. Well, I'd, I'd take eight and four right now uh, without thinking twice. Uh, I think uh, that's can be looked at as a successful season. Um, only downside to that is once again eight and four probably has you at four hundred or five hundred in the conference. And I'd really like to see us get above that mark. <laughs> well, right. that's where I mean, if you have a, if you start out the three and zero and you finish eight and four, the recruits that we lost last year because of the slow start are still going to be around and see us competing, which is going to build because Mizzou is still a pretty young team. Yeah, you know, of course, you know, Locke is Locke and Beckner are the big guys, but when you look at their, you know. A lot of people talk about Oda's recruiting. Look how many people, look how many young people have played and contributed that have been guys that he brought in. I mean, you look at both running backs. You look at Albert O. You look at Jonathan Johnson. I mean, just just on sure. offense and the starting center Castillo, the kid from Webb City. I mean, these are all Odom recruits that are already in there. You know, playing big roles. I think the key to this whole year and eight. I'm kind of I'm kind of on that eight and four, nine and three. Um, you know, eight and four, if you look, I probably lean more to eight and four because if you win your first three and then you win, you know, say you lose to Georgia, Carolina, and Bama, well, four of your next six are at home. If you win those four, they're seven. And those are Memphis, Kentucky, Vandy, and Arkansas. You should, you know, if if they're anything like they ended last year, they should win all those. So if you pull one, Georgia at home, maybe at – Tennessee because they're still I mean they were 0-8 in conference last year so they're I mean they're Tennessee but still it's not something that really scares the crap out of me yeah I mean I I, I think that's a uh, I think that I, 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 I just 8-4 and four is what I see in, with hopes of 9-3 and 10-2 and two, but my, uh, my only concern I, with 9-3 and three is Assuming the three losses are the are Georgia, Carolina, and Bama, is you got to run off six straight. Now, that being said, we saw what we did last year when they ran off six straight. So, you know, clearly it can be done. I just nine and three, I think, is difficult if you don't win one of those Georgia, USC, Bama games. Right, and I that that right. Georgia game no, is... you got no leeway on nine and three at that point. That's where I honestly that Georgia game. I'm I'm going to make sure I'm at that game. Just because I just, you know, it's just a, an inkling. I mean, I bet I, I bet my boss back in 2013, he said Mizzou wouldn't win more than six games. I said, how much? He said, 100 bucks. By the seventh game, they were 7-0. and oh, I took his 100 bucks. And, you know, and this is honestly, <laughs> it's, it's kind of after that season from before wasn't what you hoped it to be, but you had a lot of parts there, which, you know, the James Franklin, they were 5-7 and seven their first year in the SEC. 
Well, the next year they go 11 and one, and you can see that they're just, they're, they're close. They're closer than people think. I mean, cause we watch them all the time and see all their games. National media doesn't care about Mizzou, but I just, I, I get that right. feeling that they're, I don't know. It's a, an upset there would not surprise me in the least bit. No, I, I, I hear you. And that's, and when I look at the schedule, that that's the one game to me that, that could be the, the, the goalpost to Harpo's, if you will. It's, if, if it's, uh, if we can pull that one off, uh, I think the sky's the limit. I mean, I really right. do. Uh, if because I, I think if we win Georgia, I, I almost would go out on a limb and say, if we win at Georgia, we will win at South Carolina the next week. Uh, I just, I just think we will. Now, I don't think it matter against Alabama, but we, you know that that's one thing about sports. We're anointing Alabama as the big bad you know, dog on the block. We don't know yet. You know, we're, we're, we're going off last year. I mean, they, we don't know. They, they, they may not be, you know, as Dennis Green would say, they not, they may not be who we thought they were. They, they may have a, a, a few weaknesses that they didn't have. Well, there, I mean, there is a reason they, they line them up and play 60 minutes worth of football every, every week. <laughs> That's true. Well, we'll we'll run a little short here on time. Let's kind of real briefly, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Mizzou released their depth chart, uh, you know, I believe on Monday. And and a few things that I noticed on here, the the first would be the backup quarterback is right now a a co-backup between Lindsey Scott Jr. and Jack Lowry. Last year, the only quarterback besides Locke that saw uh, the field was Michael Wilson, and and he's not listed on there. Uh, you got Roundtree and Crockett as kind of co-number ones. Uh, as of right now, our three starting wide receivers are Nate Brown, Jonathan Johnson, Emmanuel Hall. I don't think there's any, you know, r- big surprise there. Uh, I, I'd say one to watch t- for on there is that freshman coming in, is that uh, Cam Scott. Gotcha. Well, what makes you think that? I read too much Twitter and pay too much attention to the lives <laughs> of 17-year-olds. Um, but just <laughs> once, once he announced that uh, he was committed, I followed some of his highlights and watched some of his just on-field performance. And he's, mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that has that, that intangible vision, I guess, where – Right. He knew you could watch him and you could see he knew where he was going to go five or 10 steps before he got there. Um, you know, he was going to make a cut, but he had to wait till the D back committed. You could just see certain things in that. Um, so I, I don't know. That's like I said, blind throwing a dart at the board um, just mm-hmm. from from paying too much attention to 17-year-olds. <laughs> well, you know, a, co- a couple other things on the wide receivers. Uh, one, we can't forget that Alex, what is it, Ophadil? Ophadil. Ophadil. That, I mean, he was like the number 120 recruit in the country that went to Oregon a few years ago. And, you know, he's transferred back. He's a grad transfer. He's got two years. You know, because of injuries out there, he's got two years of eligibility. So, you know, if he can, yeah. well, if he can do anything, you know, for like he, for what he was – you know, predicted to do, you know, being such a high recruit, if he can do anything there, that's just going to be a bonus. And here's one of those fun NCA rules. They said he, the reason he didn't show on the chart where he should have was because he had to finish a, a class at Oregon to qualify for his grad transfer. And he still had two, two classes, two more classes to attend. Well, he's listed on the two deep. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, maybe I read it wrong, but the way I was reading it was he wasn't the number one on the number one because he hadn't been to, to camp yet. As soon as camp started and fall camp started, they said a bunch of those numbers were going to change. Yeah, they've got but, him on your, on your list of behind Emmanuel Hall. And yeah, I tell you, the other, the other one is uh, that the, another freshman, that Dominic Gianto, or I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Kid out of name. Kansas City, yeah. Yeah, that he, he uh, graduated in December and was an early enrollee, and he had like a 60-yard touchdown. He tore it up in the spring game. And, you know, so he's been there practicing with, yeah, he's got yeah, he's a nice a, head start on these other incoming freshmen. Right, he's a, he's a smaller kid, but you know, hey, spread them out and let the guys run. Yeah, and that's what I was gonna just looking at his measurables here five nine one seventy. I uh, to me, that's a guy you want to you know put in the uh, in the slot and, and, and get him some right. space. 
uh, for sure. Well, you were, you were talking, uh, d- you know, d- Drew Locke not having the touch pass but throwing the deep ball. He's the guy that can get downfield to get that deep ball. Right. Well, and, and that's where it's funny. Right. What do you what do you remember anything about Emmanuel Hall except running straight go routes and catching long passes every time? And the the cornerback's got to know what he's going to do, but you know what? He still does it. Yeah. No, that, that's that's a that's a good point. And like like we talked about earlier, the uh, the on the running game, you know, I think can really open up some opportunities for these receivers with uh, with their speed to 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 get in some space and and just have a, a guy or two to beat uh, out in the open. Right. Uh, uh, real quick here before we before we finish up defensively, uh, you know, look at our defensive line here. I mean, obviously you got Beckner. Uh, this the his fellow defensive tackle uh we got a a walter looks like palmore a, a 6 4 320 beast there in the middle i haven't heard much about him uh, any any if, words of wisdom if I on remember him right he was a he was a juco, JUCO transfer out of california right I, I don't remember where gotcha. he's from. He was, and then that Rashad Brandon also. I think they both were juco transfers. And I, I think they came from the same school too. Yes. Yeah. I'd say the defense, the key is going to be our our front seven is going to be – I mean, we've got all three backers coming back. Our defensive tackle position, which, you know, in SEC, when you're playing Bama that's going to run it up the middle, that's going to be your key. They're, they're almost three deep on defensive tackle that they've moved a couple of guys out to play defensive end. If, if we get any pressure off the defensive end, we're going to be – we're going to be pretty good, but the other part is the secondary. We lost a lot in the secondary. That's going to be our. If it, it's going, to, it's all going to matter what the defensive line does. The pressure they put on the quarterbacks to let the secondary not have to be as good, or if the defensive ends can't get pressure, then the secondary could be our problem. Well, and in, including in the secondary, the uh, I guess finally became official on uh, Caleb Pruitt uh, being dismissed. He'd been suspended for bat since back in January for violation of team rules and. He was the one that threw out on his Instagram post about a month ago something about, um, you know, guess who's back, or I can't remember exactly what it was, but it, it, the implication was that he was getting ready to get reinstated, and clearly whatever he did never got never got fixed. Yeah, he was he's a name he was a name linked yeah. to the uh, the uh, tutor lady. Oh M&A. yeah, by, by the way, tutor lady had said that, and we're recording this today on Wednesday the eighteenth. Uh, that she was going to release all of that information and all those names today and surprisingly didn't. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> yeah. some lawyer friend of hers uh, showed her the FERPA Act of 70, 1974 and she stopped that immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that, that's probably a developing, well, hopefully not developing, but, but something that could, could pop up uh, in in the Mizzou season, but I'm kind of like you guys and think that's more uh, her wanting attention than yeah. having anything of real substance. Yeah, it's it's done. Uh, Every, everything everything well, I heard from the people in the know said the NCA and the University of all had their discussions and their investigations, and there's nothing much really to it. Uh, basically, it, it would embarrass them some guys in the, in, that, that are in the NFL right now, in all likelihood, is what she was, what she gotcha. was trying to do. All right. Well, I, you know, as we finish up here, uh, first of all, I want to thank both you guys for being on here. I, I think uh, some major takeaways is that uh, that we think that you know this this season has uh, has the potential to maybe be uh, a springboard for the rest of uh, you know the next few years with with the stadium renovations and everything coming in next year. Uh, I think this this may be looked back upon. You know, Elway mentioned the 2013 season for the our last good run. Uh, this might be the year we look back on in four or five years and be like, this is when it kind of took off in the right direction. This is where we got a a lottery pick, if you will, quarterback. This is where we beat Georgia. Uh, this is where we you know reasserted ourselves as a force to be reckoned with in the SEC. Uh, you guys got any final thoughts uh, that you want our listeners to know about the upcoming Mizzou football season? Just get it here. I'm ready for it. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Um, um, All-star game was over, so the next thing is happening is football. Kickoff's got to be, what, about five weeks away? If that. I, I believe you're right. The 
I believe you're right. Well, uh, you know, guys, when we, when we get our royalty check from the Royal Inn for mentioning <laughs> them and the Mad Dog Habanero, we'll, we'll definitely get it sent out to you. But uh, thank you guys for joining, us, joining me tonight. I think we uh, got some good stuff here. And uh, until next time, uh, we'll see you later. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. <laughs>